Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey now, everybody, welcome to episode 386 of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I am Trevor Anderson. Send you over to Jason Rugard. He's got a rundown for us. Thanks for joining us on tonight's show. We're going to be talking about the two big comedies in the marketplace, The Machine, starring Burt Kreischer and Sebastian Maniscalco's About My Father. Also going to discuss Arnold Schwarzenegger's comeback, albeit a television return, and Tom Hanks's latest, as well as Air and Nicolas Cage's Western, The Old Way. We're also going to be discussing trailers tonight, Jennifer Lawrence's comedy, No Hard Feelings, Jason Statham's action thriller, The Meg 2, and Pierce Brosnan's comedy. Yep, you heard me right. The Netflix film, The Outlaws. What? Yep, stick with us. We're going to be discussing a lot of stuff tonight. But first, as always, let's do a little trivia, buddy. All right, so we got a question 131 here out of this book, Obsessed with Hollywood. And uh, the question is, uh, Jodie Foster's acting career began when she appeared in a television commercial at the age of three. What product was she endorsing in the commercial? Hmm. Uh, Ford Automobiles, uh, B, Coca-Cola, C, Blue Buddy Ice Cream, or D, Coppertone Lotion? I have no idea. I'm going to say Coppertone Lotion. Really? You think so? This is before our time. This is well before our time. So this is a pure guess. Yeah, I mean, I have, I don't know. Coppertone Lotion. Ah, you're correct. <laughs> um, I don't know how you did that, but all right. Pulled that one out of my ass. That's a good one. Well, you want another one? Like, yeah, I'm on a hot roll now. We don't stop when the dealer's hot. All right. Question 451. In the Philadelphia story, Macaulay Connor says Kitridge respects only one thing. What is that thing? Is it A, money, B, himself, C, a nice pair of legs, or D, none of the above? I don't know. Once what again, is the Philadelphia story? This is story? a movie from like the Have 1940s. I, I've never seen that. This is a 1940s I was going to say, I've never even seen that uh, movie. Uh, I can tell you about the Philadelphia experiment, isn't that? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. I can tell you about Philadelphia, the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. How about a nice pair of legs? Um, no, mm. it is B himself. Mm. I I thought a 1940s kind of hard boiled script. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I feel you. Yeah. All right, all right let's, let's get, get you, let's get you one more. Yeah, let's get you one more here. All right. Uh, the hell does that say when Loach? L-O-A-C-H is, I guess, a character. When Loach asks Jake about his nose in Chinatown, whom does Jake say is responsible for his injury? A, a mugger. B, Loach's wife. C, Noah Cross. Or D, a hooker. The guy's wife. I don't know if you heard that, but that is the correct answer. even say this, Loach is played by film director Roman Polanski, who also directed Chinatown. He is, that's correct. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some movies here because it's been a while since you and I got to chat and you've seen something that I haven't seen that I'm very interested in checking out and that is... And you've seen something that I haven't seen I know, I'm right? i in checking out. So right. <laughs> this, is, this is how we're going to work this. So first you go, I mm-hmm. want to know about The Machine because this is the movie that I thought was really going to do gangbusters in the theater. I thought that this was going to be a sleeper hit this and summer. It and it didn't. it really flopped. Uh, no other way to say it. Yeah, they had a big opening. This is Burt Kreischer's movie on his... Uh, very famous stand-up uh, act, or not an act, but I don't know what would it be. Bit, yeah, monologue. It's a bit, it's a story, yeah. monologue. Yeah, it's a whole. It's a big whole thing. It's actually really, really funny. If you haven't seen his stand-up, The Machine, watch that. 
definitely watch it before watching the movie. But the movie is, yeah, the movie's lackluster, you know, and really he's, it takes a while for him to get comfortable in this movie, it feels like. The first act, none of the acting is good, the writing's not good. You get to the second half of this movie, it's great. He's in it. And, and uh, Hamill as well, Mark Hamill plays his father. Everyone's good by the end of the movie. Like, you feel like you've been through something with them, you're happy, it's good. But that first half of this film is a bit rough, and, and possibly too rough, really. How much is set in the past and how much is set in the present in this movie? Is he in it quite a bit or are they sidelining him? A lot. Almost all of it takes place in the present, but there are segments that take place in the past. Okay. As a screen um, But almost presence. all of it takes place in the future. And there's, there's a moment, in fact, when he talks to his younger self. You know, he has one of those. Well, the movie is lost kind of in what... And just what it should be. Like, it very much feels like an opportunity arose for him to make a movie out of this, and he went for it, which he should. But it doesn't feel like this movie needs to exist. Or this was something, this was a story he was he was really wanting to tell. It doesn't feel like any of that. And his screen presence is, as I say, in the beginning, not great. He looks uncomfortable. The, the character that they've created for him doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just kind of a nothing character. In the movie, he's given up stand-up, and so this is kind of his... Uh, throughout the movie, this is his his journey to realize he should be doing what he does. You know, he should he should just be himself. He shouldn't be trying to not be himself. It, it's not great. How's the chemistry be between Mark Hamill and Burt Kreischer? It's good in the latter half. It's not great. Mark Hamill's not even good in this, to be honest with you. In the first half, I feel like the first half of this movie doesn't feel written or directed or acted very well at all. It doesn't feel like. It just doesn't feel realistic at all. And then when they get into the second half and things are gonzo, bonzo off the fucking wall and uh, just shits, you know, flung every which way, everybody seems to find their their character all of a sudden. Everyone seems to be in their element. It's a very weird the way of this place. At least it did for me. That's how I felt. And the other half of this is that the movie's not very funny. There's it's not There's not a lot of laughs in the movie. It's kind of played a little too seriously like it's played too realistically mm. even when the ridiculous stuff is happening it still wants to hang on to some tinge of like danger should this be a comedy or should this be an action comedy or what is an action comedy how much action should be in an action comedy and how much comedy should be in a, a comedy about the machine which is a stand-up comedy bit it's just a weird movie it sounds like for what you're describing to me that the film picks up though as it goes is that right it gets better as it goes along it does i thought it did yeah i thought it definitely did the second half i think is is loads better than the first half everyone feels comfortable in the character it seems like by the second half including bert who just as i say just doesn't feel doesn't feel genuine doesn't feel like he is the character he's supposed to be in the movie until i guess until he has to really just pull it out and go all out I mean, maybe the difference is that when bullets are flying, when, when the idea of like you're really under pressure and doing all this stuff, like maybe that woke him up a little bit or something. I thought the trailer for this was very amusing and it sounds like in short bits it is. No chance though for yes, a sequel with the way this, this is performing. My question to you is, would this have played better if this was a Netflix release or something like that ilk? Would you have uh, been a little bit more that's forgiving? That's what it is. No, I would have said the same thing about it, but that's what this is. This plays like like one of the Happy Madison type movies on, on Netflix, but less funny, more like Netflix action-y. This took it the wrong route to get to what it should be. But it's very much a, uh, was it the spy who... Uh, Spy who what dumped was that me. Mila movie? The Spy Who Dumped Me. You know how movies like that exist that are supposed to be comedies, but they're all, they're like they're very action oriented. They're very slick. They have all those elements to it. But that movie still leaned into a lot of comedy stuff. That movie I thought was a lot of fun. Whereas this movie felt like it 
it got bogged down a little bit. It had to move forward, it had to push itself forward somehow. And it takes a long time for this movie to start. Like the first act is unbalanced. It's not good. I don't need that much backstory about Bert not being able to do stand up. I just don't care. And about his family and stuff, I, d- I still don't care. It doesn't play into the movie. Nobody gives a shit. I wonder if that was some behind the scenes tinkering or some Monday morning quarterbacking after initial. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It feels like he. It feels like, hey, here's your opportunity. Strike while the iron's hot, and he had to do it, right? Because obviously, I, you got to take your wins when you get them. It just didn't come out right. No, you had to take the green light because you got it, but it just it wasn't. You weren't ready. I questioned when I saw the trailer. Is this a story that needs to be told? And after watching the movie, I can tell you, not really, no. I think if this movie had come out, and I think the next movie too, that we'll talk about, the Sebastian movie, 20 years ago, these would have been three times the success that they are, though, today, just because of and people's I'll willingness. And I agree with you 100%. It wouldn't have been so slick as it was now. It would not It would have been more about the people involved. They would have done more skits. They would have had to have done more in-camera stuff. It would have been more real. You know, Movies today are, are very unreal. Um, that includes the comedies and stuff like they're just they can't decide what they want to be and like for like some movies like uh, like a night and day it works but that's because it's lampooning tom cruise shit like those types of movies like that that's what i would say this movie kind of misses very rarely does an action comedy work for me they get too caught up in the action element i like a a good action movie with a a sprinkling of comedy in it and the ones i like never seem to get any sort of love like i like i spy over the rush hour films and i spy was shit on you know but that was a good blend of action and comedy i love i spy but Um, i like both of those but i agree with you but but that was something that was done better in the 90s than it's ever done today uh for 100 percent sure is this an action comedy or is this a comedy action? Maybe this movie should have been a comedy action and not an action comedy. I guess it earns its R rating, not for foul language, but because of violence and action. Well, you've heard the stand-up of the machine. How much action is in that? None. So is that a recommendation or is that a, a wait? Is that a non-recommendation? What do you got? I would not watch it in theaters, but I would think that anyone... I mean, hey, it, you're going to watch it regardless, honestly, because the comedy bit is fucking so funny. I don't see why you shouldn't watch this movie. And... I think that some people will really enjoy it, so I'd say watch it. I do really like Kreischer, so I will give this a shot, but this is a Sunday afternoon on Netflix type of situation. Next one we're talking about is About My Father, Sebastian Maniscalco's shot at big screen stardom. He's being paired with Robert De Niro, who plays his father, who is really a running gag in a lot of Maniscalco's comedy bits. Are you a fan of Maniscalco? Have you seen a lot of his comedy specials? I haven't seen a lot of his comedy. I think he's a really likable presence uh, behind the mic there anyways. Yeah, he's my favorite comedian at the moment. And uh, as much as I like Kreischer and Bill Burr and Joe Coy and those guys, Maniscalco, I've seen him live and he does not disappoint. And I was really looking forward to seeing this movie because I thought, well, he's writing it. They put him with De Niro. What, what do we have going on here? And this is the kind of movie where 20 years ago, if this has been released, it it would have been a hit. But it's just... It's second run now. With 80 for Brady yeah. a couple of months ago, they were doing something where they were charging five or six bucks and they were lowering ticket prices to get people in there. That's what they should have done with this movie. Look, I paid $35 to see two tickets for a six o'clock show and the place was packed, okay? We saw basically in a sold out show. It was a smaller auditorium, but it was a sold out show at six o'clock on a Saturday oh, night. Wow. I was like, oh, this is actually doing pretty well. But you watch this movie. It's 89 minutes long with credits. So I got no complaint about that. I like a good 90-minute movie. (laughs) But at the same time, you feel like 
Maybe this could have been a $5 ticket here or something. Maybe we should start looking at staggered ticket pricing and maybe to get people to go see the machine and all about my father, they, they think about doing this tiered ticket pricing or something. People aren't going to see comedies. You like group these together or something you mean? Maybe, or, or you know, like just do realize that when like a movie a double doesn't cost that much that you can charge less or something because to release both of these movies in the same weekend ate into a lot of crossover, I think. Somebody like myself, I would have seen one or the other, but I pick Sebastian because frankly my my fiance likes Sebastian better so we saw that but long story short this is a meet the parents clone it does have two or three big laughs in it I just personally like Maniscalco I think he's just a really likable presence De Niro has no comedic timing still after doing what 15 20 comedies <laughs> to rely on him as a comedic foil doesn't really work my problem with this is that Maniscalco has nobody to work off of in this movie he's left alone to work very hard to make this into something and that's not really his hmm. personality or his comedic shtick he's not a Jim Carrey he does some physical comedy but he's not 100% energy he's more low-key and oh my god I want to shrink and get out of here the movie is worth seeing on a streaming platform in a couple months don't rush out to a theater to see it it breaks my heart to say that because I wish both these movies had been as successful but it's just not a big screen quality that you need to see it there having said that I found it mm. I found myself smiling through a lot of it nodding and then laughing out loud in a couple sequences but it's very minor That's fine. it's a very minor that means film yeah, but there's lots of movies that I've enjoyed on home video that are not big screen movies, but then they're they're good. Like that stuff's good for a small screen. Yeah, this movie's gonna it'll find its audience. Both of these movies that we just talked about will find their prospective audiences in much greater numbers on streaming. You're gonna read an article in a couple of years from now about how these movies were flops and no, then found big audiences on streaming. <laughs> I, I would think so. I know they found big audiences, bigger audiences. I, I, just, I don't know about that, man. I don't even know if they can be bigger audiences. But who decided that Robert De Niro is a <laughs> comedic actor? The guy has never been funny in anything, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't know the the Falker movies. Oh come on, is um, he really I funny? He was really good in. Yeah, he's not. Uh. No, but, but, but he plays well off. Or I should say Ben Stiller plays well off him in those movies. But his character is funny. But I know I, I know what you're saying. Those are the only movies I can think of where that worked. But for the most part, when I see Robert De Niro in a movie, he's supposed to be funny. Yeah, he's not. Even what was that Dirty Grandpa movie not too long ago? Not funny. Even when he should have been, when he watches acting in that, when he's with uh, uh, Aubrey Plaza and stuff, or, or Zach, I but when he's with Aubrey Plaza, his reactions aren't like nothing. They're too know? mannered. Don't they, don't, they don't come off well. I had two ideas as I was watching this movie of people they could have got to play this role that would have been much better. One, they could have taken a real fucking chance, and you got to envision this with me because it goes with the Sebastian Maniscalco angle. <laughs> they could have got Andrew Dice Clay to play the father. That would have been yeah. fucking fantastic. That would have been way better, actually. I Because that's the I, kind yeah, of Gonzo could say anything at any moment over Italian, you yeah. know, kind of like, oh shit, kind of live wire that De Niro's not in the film. That would have been way, way better. Yeah. Or if you want to go the macho route, why not Stallone? He, he has a touch of light comedy in him. Why not go that angle? Why De Niro? Who decided that De Niro is the this comedic idol? I, I just don't understand it. I think it's just the name. You know. I think it's the Meet the Fockers and Meet the Parents kind of connection because that's basically the storyline here. Yeah, I mean, I do, but I think it's also because it's De Niro. If you're uh, Maniscalco here, you're, you're going to you get the chance to work with De Niro. When else is he going to get that chance? He already did in The Irishman. 
He did already. Oh, was he in the Irishman? He was. He played Joey Gallo. I fucking hated the Irishman. Ah, well, he already did it. It's probably- <laughs> I didn't even finish that movie. I watched a quarter of it and turned it off. Fuck well, that Well, then you thing. definitely didn't get to the Joey Gallo um, part. <laughs> it was like four hours long. That's what I'm long. saying. Fuck that thing. But all right, all right. So he already did. So then, yeah, then, uh, I don't know. He's a fucking idiot. I like the, the Dice Man uh, fucking idea, man. That'd be perfect for this movie. Maybe we can get the sequel with the uncle. About Shit, my uncle. I would have seen this movie if it had Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. My old man would have gone for Christ's sakes. He loves Dice yeah. Man still. I did enjoy it. I did get some laughs out of it, but I can't in all honesty say go out and see it in the theater. It's not worth top dollar, but it is at least the only romantic comedy out in the marketplace right now because look at what's playing out there. Unless you're a fucking superhero fanatic or a 16-year-old, well, there's nothing to see. What's June? I don't know what... I, romantic comedy is gonna be. I, there used left to be. At this point. There used to be a major comedy every summer. There used to be counter programming. There's nothing anymore. I mean, I agree with you, but that's not happening now. And certainly, there's no comedy star to do that. Not that there was back then, but there was at least when you talk romantic comedies, there was at least a, a female somewhere. Yeah, you who had was your Julia a, a Roberts, star to do Meg that, Ryan's. They won't do that anymore. I'm looking back at the summer of '99 on that other podcast series that I'm doing for this channel, and I was just realizing that Phantom Menace, in its wake, Notting Hill opened up and did yeah. fantastic business and then later that and same summer movie, really. julia uh, yeah. roberts does the runaway bride which is even bigger not as good of a film but yeah. it's even bigger box office wise and you're like those are two massive hits that we don't even account for in the summer box office any longer those kind of solid comedic earners are no longer around i believe those are political reasons as to why that kind of stuff doesn't exist right now and it's unfortunate because i think they can make a lot of money i think people would go see that stuff i'm me included yeah it's sad that both these films, About My Father and The Machine, are both major flops at the box office. All right, let's move on and talk about FUBAR, Arnold Schwarzenegger's foray into television after his buddy Stallone did it. With Tulsa King on Paramount, Schwarzenegger comes mm-hmm. with FUBAR, which is really a semi-sequel to True Lies in that vein of, I mean, I guess. you know, we, yeah, we talked the about idea. the trailer on the last yeah. show. I'm sure everybody out there has either seen it on Netflix or the preview, so I won't go into a plot description. I'll just give you my takeaway of the first two episodes that I saw. I didn't watch the whole series. I've only seen two episodes of it. I lost interest after the second episode. <laughs> I thought the first episode took, you talk about first act problems, I thought it took a while to develop. I did not enjoy that opening sequence with him doing the spy, the spying and retiring. I didn't think his catchphrase, that's it and that's all, was very clever. And I really didn't think he had much chemistry with the daughter. I thought that it felt forced in every way. And as the first episode got going, I thought, okay, here we go. But what realm this movie is taking place in, it's far goofier than True Lies ever was. And I know True Lies is not a model of reality, but that at least maintained a level of, of realism that I thought this this show... From the opening shot is not to be taken seriously on any level, right? But yet they want you to feel for these characters. So I was constantly confused on what the show's agenda was and what I'm supposed to feel for the main character who, if it wasn't played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, the show would have no reason for existing at all. A big letdown for me on this one as I was expecting something much better. How dare you? This is Arnold Schwarzenegger and we must love everything he does. No, this, this show's terrible. I've watched three episodes and I'm done. I'm not watching the rest of it, which is really sad. I think Schwarzenegger is hugely fucking up lately. I mean, I thought he was good out the gate when he came out of the governorship there. And uh, then he just continually flopped and fucked up. And here it is yet again. Stallone's Tulsa just puts this to fucking shame without a doubt like I love that show I love the characters every single character in that show I don't give a fuck about anyone in this show the chemistry is fine I still think it's fine it's nowhere near as good as, as what the trailer would led you believe 
the story is so slow to uh, develop. And I've seen, I'm, I'm one episode beyond you, and it's just, it's unbearable. There's no fucking point to this, other than Arnold Schwarzenegger's in a show. It, It's classic nonsense TV, just filler. It's complete filler. It's what it is. It's just programming to stuff up Netflix shoot in their queue. And I don't, I, to me, the documentary that's forthcoming about Schwarzenegger and his exploits is going to be far more intriguing than anything that these writers what, can make what's up. What's he going to say that he hasn't already said? That pea protein is the way to go. And he wishes he would have done it forever ago. I mean, seriously, I don't know what what more does this man have to say that you haven't already heard, or what stories does he have left? I don't want to hear about him banging the fucking maid, because um, that's what it seems like this documentary is a little bit about. Yeah, it seems um, like a mea culpa. I don't know. Modern Schwarzenegger is uninteresting to me at this point. The Sheriff movie that he made. The Last um, Stand. The Last Stand, which is so fucking good. And then after that, it was just uh, misstep after misstep, and the movies got worse and worse. I would say that Sabotage is an interesting failure, but it's a very depressing failure. Yeah, but it's still not a good Schwarzenegger movie. No, and The Last Stand is the best thing he has done, his sole project, since he's been out of office. Yeah, why is this not like that? Why, I mean, Tulsa, when you look at uh, Tulsa King, it it takes (laughs) fucking Stallone and it makes him a fucking monster, right? It's just like, he's just grabbing life by the balls. In FUBAR, it's like Schwarzenegger's like, oh, what's going on? I don't know, I'm a fucking, I'm the best spy in the world, but I'm fucking stupid. It's like, what is going on? Well, the two shows highlight a couple things. I hate it. One, the artistic choices that they're each trying to do at this point in their life. Uh, yeah. And two, I know. that... One's on the right track and one's on the wrong one track. Is, I know. It's been happening for a while. One is interested in acting and one is still interested in being this larger-than-life icon. Yep. I don't think Schwarzenegger and one, wants and it's actually, anything warts uh, on. You know, he doesn't want anything that makes him look bad uh, on any level. I don't think he wants to care. Yeah, I know. It's interesting that you say that because it, the opposite is actually the effect that it's happening for each of them, right? Like Stallone's looking bigger than life and he's choosing the, the big acting roles and the good acting roles and Stallone uh, or and Schwarzenegger just looks like some goofball. Who's trying to hang on past his prime. Yeah. yeah it, it's starting to look desperate yeah. is what it's starting to look like. It's been desperate for a while. Uh, seriously. This along with that CBS retread that they just tried to launch True Lies as a series uh-huh. that's been canceled now. I think it got halfway through its season and they already canceled it. This concept, there's a reason that they didn't further it. To me, this was his last trump card, Schwarzenegger's was, because he's tried the sequel to this and let's get this going and they can't get Conan going and you're now out mm-hmm. of options. Terminator's done and this was his last, well, maybe we can do something with the True Lies concept and now this is what you get. And we'll probably get another season of it because people are watching it because there's an interest factor. I don't know. We'll only get one season more if they do it at all. I mean, I bet this dies just a quiet and death. And I didn't think no one's gonna that care. Fortune Femster was very good in it and people are just raving about her. And I usually love her, to be honest with you. She usually wins me over. And yeah, the, the, because the fucking comedy, the dialogue is so fucking bad in this. I, I thought can't. it was the editing. Like everyone I has thought, a snippy review. Oh, it's both, man. It's fucking both. It's like everyone has their moment. I'm just like, why are these people even in this? The fuck gives a fuck about these secondary characters? Why are they in this like they're fucking part of the team or something? They're nobodies. They don't do anything. Even in the third season or in the third episode where they actually do a little bit more. I was like, they could, they're just fucking nobodies. Also, I didn't find the, the villain very interesting. The Hispanic kid who grew up with the father that Schwarzenegger has a complex back history with mm-hmm. and it seems to be yeah. kind of forgotten in the second episode as well yeah i know the, the, because the show i watched with my dad my dad really some of the problem with the show is that it is uninteresting to see schwarzenegger and his daughter bicker and that's the fucking show that's the basis of this show is their relationship it's not interesting 
that's that's not a Schwarzenegger thing. I don't I don't give a shit about that. In True Lies, it was his wife and stuff. But if you watch that movie, that's in, that's in there, and they go on that adventure and stuff. But he's in control. He's the he's still he's a totally different character than this, where he's the the doting father. He's just kind of like. Ooh. Well, let me clarify a couple things too. One, in True Lies, even though he and the wife are, are having a bad relationship, they are very kind to one another. There's only one or two scenes where they actually tell you sure. know have a a blowout. So that's that's the difference there. There's not a lot of bickering in it. And two, in Tulsa King, once again, not to bring up the comparison. Comparison, that character, Stallone's character, has a, a much more complicated relationship and contentious relationship with his daughter based on a lot more serious yeah. things. And that is played so Way much more interesting. more interesting and effectively. And it, it's just as cliched mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but the, the level of just the, the whole project, it's just, it's a much more serious project. Oh, and it's politics, man. I mean, I hate to say it again, but that's what's going on here too. The FUBAR has that very girl boss like type stuff built into it where the daughter is very much has to be elevated up to or above his level, right? And to some extent it's played to to, to comedic like things where they fight over the chair they're going to sit in all this kind of bullshit thing like who's going to be lead of the team and this and that but it's also fucking ridiculous she's a fucking tiny human being yeah and uh, I she's mean, mean this is ridiculous she's really mad at him for reasons that she's for now lying doing. to yeah, her even though she's, she's lying. fucking lying to him I was just like this is fucking ridiculous you guys are just making shit up at this point yeah I don't like it. And the Tulsa stuff, as you say, plays as realistic. It, 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 even though it's, it's out there, it's outlandish and stuff, but it's based in reality. FUBAR feels like, I don't know, what the, who the fuck acts like this? Who does this? I think Netflix has made an investment into Schwarzenegger, and he's running with it, obviously. Oh, yeah, 100%. Let's talk about Air, which is an Amazon Prime film. This was supposed to be a direct-to-prime release, mm-hmm. and they put it in theaters. It did surprisingly well. A, did they buy it or make it i want to say they bankrolled it before their streaming service and they they pivoted i'm not totally 100 on that but i know this script was a part of the blacklist award winners a couple years back i read the synopsis Mm -hmm. of it i thought how stupid a movie about air jordans and i watched this on an airplane (laughs) and i'm not a good passenger on an airplane yeah up in the air you watched air in Uh, the air i I get real air in the air it's hard for me to focus on movies when i'm flying i'm not a good flyer and i was into this lock and step i put this on my favorite of the year so far maybe my favorite film of 2023 so far from the needle drops that were perfect to the the fucking acting in this everybody from chris tucker to jason bateman nailed their roles and not overdoing it not flashy everybody had a little bit that they contributed and it was sometimes humorous and sometimes not. i mean the, the, the easygoing screen nature that Matt Damon has should be applauded because this fucking guy slips into roles over and over left again. and right and, le- and changes. Over and over again. And, and just see. I love that, by the way. I'm stealing that description. That's perfect fucking description. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I, I love him in this movie. I thought Ben Affleck did a fantastic job directing something here and bringing life to a story that could have been very, very dry. This could have been an HBO film type retelling from the early 90s, but yet this felt very vibrant and alive in a way that I wasn't expecting and I enjoyed it immensely after you just said everything that I was going to say um look I I don't think this story is that interesting but I think this is executed and told so fucking well that I agree with you you know it's just not that interesting of a story overall like the movie in general it probably won't go anywhere it probably won't really it's not gonna it's not gonna be nominated a lot of no people. let's be honest and because it's not but you're right about 
as far as the execution, the direction, the acting, my God, when Ben Affleck and the Matt Damon are in scenes together in this, ooh, I don't it's know, electric. man. I just like it I, bristles. It's so good. It's like, and they're not doing it. They're really not talking about much or anything. But the way they they shoot the dialogue back and forth, it's just like, oh my God, this works. I thought the um, the comedy in this worked as well. Other than that, I don't know. This is the same type of issues I have with a lot of these movies like this, where it's always a guy who's like, I know, it's my gut feeling, I know. And they build this amazing story out of this, and you're like, there's no fucking way. This is how this actually happened. It's just not possible. No. It's, this is, there's a lot of bullshit and, and fucking you know, hot air blowing up everyone's ass in this. But you're right, man. The, the, um, yeah, the acting's incredible in this, which is enough to watch it, but the direction as well just adds to that. And uh, I thought the dialogue was really good. I don't know if this is a story worth telling, but the way they told it is worth fucking seeing. You know, I'll uh, say that's that. well said, my friend. And I think that this movie could, if you just looked at the screenplay, this could have been a play. This could have been a stage play. There's a lot of extended sequences where it's just yeah. two characters, three characters, and there's a very heavy dialogue. But the way that Affleck directs it very subtly, but with a, with a lot of energy when it needs to be, this thing hums along. It is well told. It's just a well-told story, and it's, it's I guess why, it's rare nowadays. Why, why is he not doing more? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is he, he's clearly a great director. I mean, The Town is one of my favorite Honestly, movies. James Gunn, give this man some fucking DC movies. Give him something. This guy will take things and, and breathe life into them. Give him something. Please, somebody. I would you say. Know? And yeah, he makes some bad movies here and there. They're he still does, interesting. Fuck, come on. They're still interesting. Yeah, come on. This, along with his performance in The Tender Bar um, a couple years ago, was it? You know, he was the, the George Clooney film that was an Amazon film. And, uh, you know, his uh-huh. other directing gigs, even, the, even the, uh, was it Live by Night, which was a very ambitious project that wasn't quite where it needed yeah, to be. That one was not very but good. But still, there are parts <laughs> of it that I really admire and aspects to it that I really admire. I just think the guy... I, I is, agree with you, but that one was not very good. That might have been the one that actually makes... Maybe, maybe that's the one that people are... Hurt his career. Or Hollywood anyways is... is shies away from him, yeah. Because that, that had to cost money, I'm pretty sure it uh, did. It was a Warner Brothers film, too, so that probably uh, shit-canned him yeah. on the, the Batman reboot that he was going to direct. But mm. he made a lot of it for The, the Town. Please. And Argo. I mean, those are fantastic films. And let's not forget about Gone Baby Gone, which was great, too. Yeah. Which is one of the best fucking films ever made. Look, I, I'm telling you, give him a Michael Keaton Batman movie. I mean, oh, my oh, God. Oh, jeez. Now you're getting me excited. Hey, we might see a Michael Keaton Batman movie after they're doing Beetlejuice 2 now and Warner Brothers is really hyping this Flash thing. We oh. might see something like that. I'm hoping for it. Go back to the, go back to the well, you know. Oh, they, they're going to trust this Warner Brothers. Go back to the well. Go, go deep. Go deep well, in there. Well, that's heavy praise. Dig around. See what you can find. Trevor and I <laughs> both have heavy praise for air. Uh, I put it on my best of the year list so far. Same for you? We'll see what the year all has. Right, all right. He going. doesn't want to. Yeah, it's, it's, I just don't think it's a very good story. Like, it's not a story I give a shit about. So I don't but know. you cared about reason, the movie. Like, you watched kinda, the film. It's hard to. I know. It's it's a good movie and everything, but it's hard to get psyched about. Like, I don't really don't want to fucking watch it again. Nah. You know, I, like, I don't. I, don't, I just don't give a shit. I did love about the fucking idea of it. But, that last yeah. scene where Damon's gonna do the jogging and he gets about ten steps. Yeah, and he goes, eh, it's fuck fucking this terrible, shit. just <laughs> yeah. fucking terrible. I love that sequence. <laughs> I really did. Let's move on and talk about Tom Hanks' Christmas Offering, the early year hit that came out, Man Called Otto. This is a remake of a Swedish film, A Man Called Ove. This is a very traditionally crafted Hollywood film and it's ultimately <laughs> yeah. that's that's a nice way to put it I mean it. it's professionally yeah. done it's well lit Hanks is very good in oh, the role right, yeah. but I found this to be excruciatingly dull this film 
Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah. And about as predictable as it comes on almost every level. And the central uh, story <laughs> here and in, in what is being accomplished in, you know, this this heart condition that's set up early on and this, this feud he has with a neighbor, it just God. seemed like a lot of it was for not. It, it seemed like a talk about a minor story. You can do better than that. Come I didn't. On. I don't know. You can do better. How about how about the his wife wants him to do yeah. this stuff uh, for his life, and then and then he just dies in the end. And it's like, well, what was what his wife wanted to do? What was the fucking point of this movie? I seriously, this movie loses its own train of thought so many fucking times. And on top of that, this auto character and Tom Hanks is fucking unlikable. Just god i think he's good in the role though i think that the mannerisms he's doing and some of the things i hate the character I, yeah, that, but that's I, part of the I hate him in the movie. i mean that's I, to me I, I understand that he got on my fucking nerves too but it's a bad movie because of that i mean i i don't there's not there's no redeeming quality from for this movie like usually you expect there to be a change in him but there isn't there's like a force change with the heart thing in some way but it's almost just like a he doesn't it's an change, afterthought. even at the end of the movie, and he dies. He just doesn't, doesn't really change. He doesn't care. Well, I don't know. It's Pe- also a lot. I mean, I think yeah. there's a lot of scenes that are done in really in in poor taste as well, with the him setting up for I, suicide and then being disrupted. You talk about a movie that loses its train of thought. He literally is getting interrupted yeah. constantly in this movie, and then it goes into these little. Yes, why doesn't he just do it? it? Well, it goes something very serious. Hey, at least it, goes, it gets pretty bold with the suicide stuff. At least because I because there's a point when you're just like, well, why doesn't he just do this? And then he fucking you know, he kind of fucking tries to do it. Like, yeah, but hold on. But it's like uh, at the same time still interrupted and stuff it yeah. gets interrupted to go for a zany episode of yeah. either let's teach someone how to drive let's find a cat like what are these I know. sitcoms so who is this guy why is he thinking about us what is this character how does this work it makes no sense it, right? it felt like a sitcom level but it's story. meant to happen his dead wife wants him to go through this for whatever to reason. change him we don't know yeah because he's upset he couldn't get it in the military but it doesn't change him it doesn't make him happy it doesn't do anything to him he's He's happy enough as it is. He's just sitting there living, and he's living well enough after that. The people who care, who who have any emotions, who emote through the movie, are the other characters. He's just a piece of shit the whole time, and he changes their lives, I guess, because he just does things because he feels he needs to do them. Like, he has to do them. That's the whole movie. I, I, I don't get the well, movie. Well, here's I guess. oddly a, a strange example because this is a lot more aggressive of a film, but in this character was a lot more abrasive. But the Clint Eastwood Gran Turismo, remember that movie? Um, uh-huh. That movie, that character was a lot more endearing in the end and memorable, even though he was more hateful and spiteful. Right? But somehow you cared about that character well, that's more. That's what I'm saying, right? Isn't that the, the, doesn't this movie lack that emotional? Uh, movement or even just feel like I, I, I expected this movie to move me in some way or at least to attempt to say, Hey, aren't you going to tear up a little fucking bit? And it doesn't, it just never, to me anyways, doesn't seem like it ever tried to do it's, that. It, well, first of all, it's, it blew the landing if it did that. I mean, it, it, there's no, with the, the emotional moment, quote unquote, that the big reveal at the end there, they didn't, they didn't milk yeah. that for shit. That's just, it happens. And then the movie's over and no. you're like, whoa, like yeah. where's the, where's the emotional payoff? That's what I mean. What did it matter? Right. It almost feels, it feels like. I don't know. You watch a movie like this that should be uh, like building you up and everything, and by the end of it, I almost feel more nihilistic about the fucking world. You know, <laughs> like what does it all matter? You know, I hear like, you. It's a fuck. 
I hear you. All right, let's let's move on. This is this is just yeah. We both have a negative outlook on auto, right? I don't I don't recommend it. I assume you don't recommend it as well. No, I don't think it's a good movie. I, regardless of what you think, Tom Hanks was good, and I agree with that because I saw in the trailer alone, I thought he was was really good, and I thought he would make the movie good, but he didn't. The movie's terrible. I liked him a lot more in Elvis. I'll say that. <laughs> okay, next we have uh, Nicolas Cage's Western, a film that had a very limited theatrical release. It strangely played in a theater up by me, although they didn't report any of the grosses, so I wondered how this did in theaters. I was kind of curious just because I wanted to see what Nicolas Cage movie escaped onto about 800 screens in America, and nobody saw it. And now we have our answer with the... Uh, I could not imagine watching this on a big no, screen. No, this would have been very, very <laughs> vacant on a big screen. But uh, this is available on Hulu currently. It's called The Old Way. And a little bit of background on this movie, or kind of an interesting trivia fact, is that the armorer on this movie was uh, the infamous armorer on Rust who had the accident. So, And apparently Cage had complained during the production of this movie about the willy-nilly um, gunplay and, and safety he felt. So maybe, maybe to his credit, you know, he saw something wrong there. But... As is, this is, mm. I told you to give it a watch because I put it as Nicolas Cage's Unforgiven. I find, I found myself. Yeah, how dare you, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> what a fucking setup and what a fucking, I, I mean, God, how did you expect this movie to hold a candle to that? I said it was Nicolas point? Cage's Unforgiven. How it wasn't How dare you say that to me and set me, you should watch this movie. It's Nicolas Cage's Unforgiven. It, is it? God. Look, it's. You don't think very highly of Nicholas. I love the Cage Man. I I enjoyed this movie just because I I got, I've never seen him in a western before. I thought his character was mm-hmm. mean as spit in this movie. I really liked when he was contemplating mm-hmm. killing his own daughter because he knew he couldn't take her on this revenge mission with him. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the, this movie gets a little. You know, its shortcoming is obviously its budget. It doesn't have a lot of money to spend. So what it ends up doing is giving actors really some good actors a. A lot of dialogue and a lot of pontificating and monologuing. One of the most flat, well, flatly lit movies I've seen in a while. It, but it looks good though, though, doesn't of, it? Every single shot, it looks good because it's well, yeah, because it's shot on on fucking digital. Yeah. So sure, it looks good. And it's well lit. I mean, it's just lit and it's well acted. I think the, the gentleman playing the the sheriff who's on uh, the acting Cage's really side is good. Oh, the, the villain's really, really good. good. Who um, he was in. Um, I forget what he was in. He was in another Western thing. That's oh, eighteen eighty three. He was in. Um, yeah, he's good. The daughter's good. Um, the Marshall guy's good. Basically, everyone's fucking good. Actually, I think most people in this movie are better than Nicolas Cage. But I think that comes down to his character isn't given very good dialogue. That makes. I mean, he's just not given good dialogue in the movie. I don't know. And it has weird moments. Don't you think the score? I, I, honestly, the direction, the editing's fucking horrible. Um, the uh, the direction is interesting. So is the score, like the banjo playing stuff. And sometimes there's comedy in the movie. I don't know. His character is not well defined. Let's say that because who goes from I'm a psychopath, I don't give a shit to I'm the fucking general store salesman uh, in this town and I have to deal with all these people. Well, it's almost like... <laughs> like, that's the life he's chosen? Like, give me well, a fucking even, break. I, like, at least you look at Unforgiven and it's like, it's believable. This is uh, just no... Yeah, in Unforgiven, he's on his own ranch, doesn't want to deal with anybody, but, you know, they're, they're trying something yeah. here because they need to get him off the ranch so the wife can be attacked. So I I, I, I don't... I'll forgive it that, but... They could have sent him into town for anything. They didn't need to do what they did. They, it, it, this is, movie is oddly written, man. It, it really is. And I, but I do love the, 
the idea of the psychopathic daughter as well. Yeah, I, I thought that this... Like that I thought was and interesting. And I really thought that the sheriff who was trying to help, and I thought that character was very interesting. Um, and I thought that Cage made a choice here. And I, his choice is to go, was to go quieter and to go under as opposed to go bigger, which he tends to do. And the other characters outshined him because they have flashier roles. And I think that was a mistake. Yeah, I know, but I but that was a mistake. I think because in some parts of this movie, he's almost not even the main character. It's weird. Like he's too subdued. He's just he just gets out acted by everybody. And again, I think that's the way it's written. Like he's not. He's just not giving it. But but there are shot. Man, this movie's fucking poorly directed sometimes though, but super poorly edited. Yeah, the, the opening sequence. And the coverage is. is- God is awful. badly covered and badly edited. That very opening sequence oh my that takes God. place in the past. I've never seen. Why would you cover it like that? Like from all different angles, and then they they cut. They use every fucking camera angle. When when characters turn and walk away, you get like fucking three cuts. Like immediately, like, cut here, cut two shot of this character, cut to the other side, 180 degrees on the other side. The character turning and walking away. Cut to the other side as you watch that character walk away. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Why is this? Why is someone walking away covered from like four different camera angles? And why do I need to cut? Why do I need to seal? Because the editor had <laughs> options and was going to use them all. And, that's why. Oh, Lord. It, this movie is poorly edited, to say the least. Like, I don't, I'm not going to call any names out on this, but poorly directed as well. There's some shit. When he's talking to his daughter um, around the campfire there towards the middle of the movie, which is a g- fucking great scene and great dialogue and stuff completely ruined by the fucking um uh, staging of it just my god like horribly edited and then and yeah just why why are they on separate sides how much better would that have played if she was sitting next to him as his daughter like then now worried about it yeah and then you get a two shot you can see both their faces at the same time you can see him doing what he needs to do and see her reaction to it because he's saying horrible shit Right, he's like setting it up, like basically, like I'm a fucking terrible fucking dude. Which is a great scene. Dude. That's the, one like, of the best things tell in the you movie. about it. And she's almost like horrified, but at the same time, instead of just being horrified, she's intrigued, right? Because she's also a fucking horrible human being who didn't cry when her mother fucking died. Like the whole setup and stuff. I like the movie should be really fucking good, but it's well, just look I with don't the know, daughter. I mean, the, the <laughs> most interesting character to me was the the psychopathic daughter who had the the bloodline of him. And I thought, okay, the old way. He does things the right. old way, but she has blood. She has the old way blood as well. You know, like there's a lot of oh, there you know, you know go, there's yeah. a lot. There, so I'm, I'm looking into this, and then I started thinking there's other sequences that are so oddly or flatly done that I thought, you know, am I putting more into this movie than this movie is putting into itself here? Um, yeah, yes. probably. <laughs> and that's the unfortunate part though. Cause it, cause there's a lot here. Like I agree with you. This, this is an interesting movie. It's not a bad movie. It actually is a good movie. It's just terrible. Like, like God, it's one of those movies where I watch and I, I direct it myself and I edit it myself. You know, that's how bad it's done. Well, I done. think that the writer and the director are the same. I don't want to say any names, but I think that it would behooved this person and I, you know, getting any movie made, I don't want to disparage it. It's a fucking chore. And to get Cage, oh, yeah. you know, we, we understand. Like this and get Cage but, and stuff, But yeah. just, I think for the material, this maybe would have been better off if somebody else had directed this same script. I think that you would have gotten something a little bit more impactful because the elements are there to have something great and instead it turned out to be good and, and likable for me. Now, it's, is it everyone's cup of tea? No, but yeah. I think that if you like Westerns and you like Cage, well, you'll, get a, you'll get a kick out of this one. It's rare to see, it's rare to see someone take, a, take the, um, the path of, of taking a little girl and making her evil 
and making her that making that good, making that the good guy, making them the bad guys like that. Good. Actually, I don't think you would ever have seen this like in an actual Hollywood. Oh, movie, with the so. tweak here and there. Um, yeah, thank God someone got this. With the made. tweak here yeah. and there, this could have been a bone tomahawk type situation or even a horror film. Yes, that's what I'm saying, yeah. right? Yeah, someone with some fucking vision. Like I'm saying, I'm just and I'm not like. Obviously, I never directed a movie, but if I can see this shit while I'm watching this, be like, "Oh my god, this is a, this is just bad," you know. I the other, you know, come on, like it's not, it can't be that hard, you know. I just fail to believe it's that hard. Well, they got extra coverage on everything, and that's evident. And they used every bit, yeah, thank god, of footage they had. I got to see it. I got to see all of it. I got to see four fucking angles of him turning around, and walking away every time. This isn't um, an action-packed film. It's a very talky western, but it's a. It's an older person's Western in that it's uh, about an older guy and he's trying to come to grips with his life. But in the ter- in the way that it's handled, all the other characters do most but, of the talking for him, about him, uh, a la Rambo yes, or First Blood or something like that. This movie missed, but you have to admit the ending uh, fucking yeah, missed, of right? Because, well, yeah, because in the ending, he should have yelled, child. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me that that wouldn't have been perfect. I mean... It, it, that moment exists in that movie, man, and he didn't fucking do it. They didn't put it in there, and it would have been that's because that's the fucking ending right there, man. That's the natural ending. <laughs> Shout. <Child. laughs> I don't know. I, anything with Cage is interesting, and this is the first Ugh. western he's done, and I think that it's worth a watch. It's missing the flair. It is. Yeah, it really is. Like I, as much as I joke about the because the ending is very similar to an ending of a different movie. You probably know, but um. But it is still, regardless, even with that ending um, being as kind of a, a fucking awesome ending, or an idea for an ending, uh, not being executed awesome, well. Um, just it's where's the cage flare in this movie? Like he's overact, he's outacted by everyone, you know. And I don't think it's his fault. They just people have better dialogue. They, I don't know, more interesting than his character a lot of times. His character is almost, as you say, not only does he just hunker down, but it's almost overshadowed. And like in certain scenes, you're like, isn't he the main character? He's almost internal in most of this movie. You know, he's he's dealing with internal, yeah. but that works for a novel, but not for a film. Uh, also, I think that maybe mm. this is a case of a director being wooed by a star because maybe he was able to wrangle in the other people and tell them exactly what he wanted. And Cage was just going to do what Cage wants to do. Um, and this is what you end up with. Oh, so maybe. it could be a case yeah. of that as well. So I don't know if this was a, a choice made by an actor that a director didn't have a, a grip on, or it was a collaborative situation and the other supporting cast were there to, to really fill in and, and color it out. Cause without them, this would be an absolute well, just disaster really. Anyhow, I think we're saying, yeah, watch we're saying it. watch it. Right? <laughs> I'm saying I watch it too. Just yeah. It's a good little <laughs> Western. Okay, let's talk about these trailers for the show. The top one we have on today's show is No Hard Feelings. This is a Jennifer Lawrence comedy that is based on a supposedly true story where some parents put out a Craigslist ad oh, for their son to get laid. I don't think it's a true... I mean, And then a 40-year-old uh, girl responded. Yeah, something like that. And uh, <laughs> this is... The, She's a mother. What's going this on? This trailer here? looks good. I I laughed out loud in this trailer a couple times, and I'm surprised at how funny oh, are you Jennifer out of your Lawrence mind? I is. Wanna- fucking see this movie of course yeah of course she's funny she's a fantastic actress and she would do more real movies like this other than some oscar bait nonsense bullshit that she's been trying to do um you know get her head out of the sand and then make some real movies uh yeah she's great she's absolutely fantastic one of the best actresses uh, or actors working right now no doubt 100 
Um, but they're just making terrible movies and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this. I love teen comedies, uh, teen sex comedies and stuff. I just find it funny that she's how old and this movie's what she's doing what to a teenager <laughs> and what what's going on you know it's just like this huh? looks how is this working great but she looks so young I'm sure she's playing younger than she actually Fine. is so even to if be she's fair, not I'm, even if she's supposed to know. be in her late 20s I'm all for it this looks like the kind of irreverent raunchy kind of shit well, we she's used not to get she's not late 20s but yeah I agree with I you I want to yeah. see it I think that the red band trailer and the regular trailer look good for this and I think that this is going to be um, you know, the movie that I thought that the machine was going to be the hit that I thought that was. Gonna yes, be. I, I agree with you. We haven't had a good, um, sex comedy in a while. So I'm ready I am for too. it. And like I said, I'm surprised at how amusing she comes off on screen because she is such a good actress. And usually when they're that good, they don't have the comedic. T- it's very rare for somebody to have the comedic timing. Oh, I think she's a lot of fun. I see there's been, there, there were a lot of stories where she was drunk. Uh, she right. seems like a great time. And just out of control yeah. and crazy and stuff. That's what I'm saying. And, and that, yeah, exactly. And so that's been the story for a long time about her is that that's how she is. So I don't know that she's, I don't know this is so much of a stretch, you know. I'm, I'm willing to see it though. And I do think that that, the Strays movie, the dog movie, the talking dog movie got pushed back to August. And I think that this gives this movie basically the <laughs> yeah. summer season to itself in terms of comedies. And um, I think it's going to be the big one. I know it's light, light year on comedies. All right, let's next talk about Jason Statham's return to the underwater action thriller, The Meg. This is a movie that was out in 2000 and was it 18, 17, something like that. And a little bit of backstory. Yeah, 2018. When we first started this website, we were sent the novel. Did they ever send you the novel? Steve Alton, the guy that was the author, no. sent us the novel. And I you. read the novel and it's not totally like the original movie that was made. I mean, the novel and the movie differ substantially, but good for him. He got his movie made. It was big enough hit that they have a sequel. The Meg was very forgettable. I almost forgot that I saw it. I liked it when I saw it for what it was. I didn't love it, but it was forgettable. It's not very good. (laughs) I don't know why the Meg two exists other than to get a money grab. And this doesn't look Mm -hmm. even from preview wise as enjoyable as the last one was, which was moderately enjoyable. None of these is what I'm saying are comparing to the deep blue sea uh, fun level that I had with something like that. You know what I mean? Like that original Deep Blue Sea. You for the third one. You're talking about Deep Blue yeah, Sea 3, One, two, right? or That's three at this about. point. I mean, open water, any yeah. of those. Um, I know this is supposed to be a, a stupid an- killer animal movie, but oh, I just, I, this one doesn't do it for me. I don't know what it, what it is, but this trailer didn't do it for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is just... Nonsense. Uh, this is fine, I guess. It's just nonsense, big budget monster stuff. Um, normally I'm all game for this, but I agree. This doesn't look very good. I, the first one really wasn't that good. I thought it was a huge letdown for me anyways. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this one will be better. Hey, I don't know. I, I still like Statham. Statham's great, but so, all right. this movie, all right. if, it, if it was Statham versus the shark, fine. But it's the extra supporting crew people and it it's never... Yeah. And all the other extra monsters yeah. are going to be in this and all this nonsense about everything else. I, 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 Doesn't I this feel, feel yeah. directly inspired by Godzilla versus King Kong and having to expand the world? Yes, I know. This is like a um, a big monster. What are, they, what are those called? Yeah. Koju? Koju? I know you're talking about. The, I can't think of the You're talking about the Godzilla, it, Japanese stuff, um, the, the Mothra. Like the Pacific Rim stuff that, uh, um, that Del Toro there uh, pushed for a little bit. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, big monster stuff, and that's what this is, right? Basically, um, so it's it's branching out. 
I don't know why it needs to be bigger than the first Meg, but, uh, you know, it's, it's branching out. It's going to be bigger than the first one. That's the problem. Yeah, and the subtitle here is called The Trench. This is working off an original concept. This is not based on any of Alton's books, so uh, they are taking some creative licensing here. And um, this is made for the biggest international play, which is why you have a very diverse cast here because a lot of the first film success came from uh, Asian markets and uh, overseas markets just in general. So. Yeah. Warner Brothers knows what they're doing, and I anticipate this to be a fairly big hit later this summer. All right, the last film we have on tonight's show is going to be The Outlaws. This is Netflix film starring Adam Devine, Pierce Brosnan, and um, who's the female in it? I'm sorry, the the lead actress. I'm blanking on her name. Uh, There you go. Would be his girlfriend. Uh, And Ellen Barkin is the... the, Pierce Brosnan's... uh, Did you I say her? No, I, I don't know. If you which said is good casting, all around okay. good casting in this film. This is an inverse of the in-laws, where the super, you know, the, the secret agents is his fiance's parents, and he comes to find out about it. This had enough laughs in the trailer, especially the jokes about the James Bond, that I would watch it. But I felt even in this trailer that I got enough of it before it was over, and. Uh, I mean, if the trailer wore out, it's welcome. I can't imagine the movie's not going to wear out. It's welcome. And, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I like these guys. I like Game Over and a couple of the, I mean, Lexi especially, I thought was underrated. But <laughs> these movies, a little goes a long way with these kind of spy, th- once again, these spy thriller action stuff. I mean, the Kevin James one, even the Adam Sandler, uh, David Spade one they did, the do-over a couple years ago. These are typically fairly unsuccessful in, in my opinion. But I'll give this one a shot. Yeah, I think for for a Netflix um, comedy, this looks pretty good. I like Adam Devine um, quite a bit. Um, obviously, the rest of the cast is great, and it looks interesting enough. It, you know, it's streaming. I don't know. You watch it, streaming. It's good, right? I wouldn't. I, I this would be horrible to watch on a big screen. I feel like yeah, this wouldn't be released today on a big but, screen. Um, yeah, but like as far as like a straight to home video um, movie, this looks. Great, you know, if I was watching this on VHS, I'd probably be pretty happy. It looks reminds me of the, um, even though it's totally different in terms of concept, it reminds me of the John Cena film last year. Was a Summertime Friends or Vacation Friends? Remember that? It's kind of throwaway comedies that are fun and lightweight. And that was fine. That was not a bad movie. Or even what was the Keeping Up with the Joneses from a couple years ago with Galifianakis, even though that that did have a theatrical... But see, when you start getting the theatrical distribution model, (laughs) I think they go overboard on the explosions and the guns and they pump the... You know, there's something to be said in... It's Netflix does that too, though, to be fair, regardless of that i mean this movie doesn't look like it does that but in general they do do that <laughs> netflix they try to compete directly with the theatrical market so. and divine is a good little screen presence i mean anders holmes was in about my father yeah i really like workaholics him. co-star I is he in this movie uh anders i don't think, his, I don't think the, oh you're right blake anderson is makes a, a an appearance here i'm sure um, they will but i don't see no? anders but anyhow, I really do like Adam Devine. Out of that whole group, he's probably the the most recognizable, I would think, or the most standout. Um, even though I think the other two are altogether, they're really great. But yeah, he's got to be easily the most recognizable outside of the group. I would think so. And Netflix has invested money in him with his stand-up specials. They bought those. And so he had a long relationship with them. And I don't know. This is the kind of stuff, like once again, perfect fodder for their, their channel. 
But what kind of re- mm-hmm. replayability does something like this have? When we watched comedies as kids, we Nothing. watched, I mean, the Ace Ventura <laughs> tape got worn out. I mean, the, the mask oh, got worn out. Wayne's well, World that, got worn out. Wayne's World, the mask, yes. These are all, these, this is my jam right here telling me, yes, exactly. My American yep. Pie, um, you know, that was well Friday, beyond. Friday, half-baked. Most of those, but if Friday, half-baked, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I agree. I know. Um, Austin Powers, I mean, yeah. We used to go to school and um, quote movies constantly. All this, and it was always comedies. That's what you quoted. Yeah, it's it's funny when you watch an old comedy. I don't do that anymore. I don't do that to any of this shit anymore. I don't have a quote from a fucking movie to tell you for the past ten years. I got none of them. That's Nothing. a good point. That's insane. That's a very good point. We, I, we used to all quote the movies all the fucking yeah. time. And it's funny whether people loved movies or not. They knew the fucking quotes. They knew the fucking movies. Fuck, you're right. That's deep, man. I don't know. You just now you just bum me out at the end of the show. <laughs> I don't know how deep it is? I'm just saying that's fucked up. Like that's crazy. Well, I mean, the right? thing with comedies, especially too, is that you watch some of these old comedies and you realize how much of your vernacular and your jokes with your friends were based on that movie, and you go, "Fuck, yeah. I forgot all about this." Yeah. And you know, you, you just kind of replay these things. I mean, maybe it still happens from from you know the YouTube and stuff like that. Because I know that obviously there's lots of stuff that gets shared about the YouTube. Um, and there's quotes and things that come from that and all that shit. Um, so maybe that's taken the place of it. But if that has, and that's not good for movies. No, I mean, they're no longer. That speaks pretty poorly of comedies as far as yeah, getting into the, uh, the zeitgeist of, of um, as you say, rewatchability in general, right? The, like comedies have to have rewatchability. And I can't think of one that, that has come to. out in the last 10 years that I rewatch. Uh, I mean, I, I think the most common one with the most recent one would be the other guys or semi-pro or something like that um and those are those that's are fairly old, yeah fairly old that's what i'm saying i can't cop <laughs> out maybe i think i watch cop out as you know as a placeholder when that's on but um, those are just 2010 i can't think of anything in the last five i'm trying to think yeah, no. yeah. something that i've watched would, would even want to watch over and over again i mean i i liked um uh yeah, not since like 2010 or, or, or early 20 teens were, were movies that I watched like Role yeah. Models. I watched I like quite Good a Boys bit. when it came out a couple years um, ago. That was okay. Good Boys. Um yeah yeah I don't know. even even ones movies that I liked I haven't for comedies I haven't watched over and over again like I like I used to maybe 10, 10 years ago plus I used to watch them over and over again I don't do that yeah, anymore it's it's or the past decade it's just not a thing anymore that's crazy. It's too much content, my man. Too much content to watch. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 386. We want to thank you guys for joining us tonight on this look at six films and three trailers. We'll be back with you very shortly with a retrospective on Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade to coincide with the new film opening June 30th. Thanks for joining us. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>